0: Well, good morning, everyone, and grace to you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's message. As you get your Bibles ready and open to Ephesians chapter 1, um, I'll just quickly catch you up in our context. You'll remember a few weeks ago we started with this analogy of a guy running towards you, and all he can say is, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all he can say. He's just amazing, blessed, awesome. And we, in response to this, we we're like, well, what? What, what do you know? Where have you been? What's going on? And we've been unpacking Ephesians chapter 1 as he has just unpacked, you know, what God has done in the past with his electing work, what Christ did in his redeeming work, what the Holy Spirit did in his sealing work. And we follow these veins of mercies and redemption and grace, and we've just gotten lost in it, you know. We've just gotten lost. It's it's not uh, death it's not restrictive. It's not a religion. Knowing God is a blessing. And it's light. It's life. And coming out of this mind shaft in verse 15, Paul's his first response is prayer. His first response is prayer. And, and likewise. And, and what exactly is he praying for, having come out of this glorious riches in Christ Jesus? He's praying for three things, primarily. Number one... He's praying that we would know God better. We need to pray that God, through His Holy Spirit, would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit, who is soaked in the knowledge of God, would give us more information and knowledge about God. Amen? And then we saw last week that we are also to pray that we may know the scope and magnitude of salvation. What the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of the... What if it, what has it done in the past? What is it doing now? And what is it to do in the future? All right? We're praying that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which He has called you and the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. And today... Oh, I hope you're sitting down. Oh, I know you're sitting down, probably. But <laughs> today we are taught to pray that we may know, here it is, verse 19, His incomparably great power for us who believe. I want you to know this. I pray that through the Holy Spirit you'd come to know this great power. Ephesians, thank you, Ephesians. You are opening our minds wide to what we have in Jesus Christ. And you would have us... Behold, the magnitude of God's power. Now, why is this so, so critical? Because, friends, you and I know, we know in our hearts Jesus is king. Amen. He has conquered all the earth and he he rules over everything. And ultimately, he will reign. Ultimately, all authority will be under him and no one else. Correct? Right. However... Until he comes, there are still territories in rebellion against him. There are still people in resistance to his rule, right? And, and yeah, Jesus could at any moment destroy all resistance, but he doesn't. Instead, in his wisdom and his grace and mercy, he's provided a season of amnesty, a season of pardon. He will pardon any rebel, right, before he comes and makes his kingship a reality and that pardon comes through the gospel by the payment of his blood rebels can have peace with god amen that day is coming when his full authority will be pressed into every square meter of this world and the universe heavens and on earth right but we the church we have heard of this offer of a pardon We have responded in faith. We are aware of the agenda of the king. And this is why we must pray to know this hope. We must pray to know the hope there is for us when he called us. And this is why we need to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his church. Right? He's invested his glory in us. And we need to pray that we would also know the power of God. Right, let's break this down. This is going to be great. All right, my first point is the description of God's power. How does Paul describe God's power in verse 19? He says, And his incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great, power. It is incomparable. It is exceedingly great power. All right, it's it's a power that has a super abounding greatness. Paul is trying to tell us that this power goes beyond words. It's it's beyond examples. Uh, whatever you can think of regarding power, right? Whatever you think is great. God's power exceeds it very well, right? It's incomparably great power. Now, the question is, well, where is it? Is it attached to anything? Is it just hanging around? Where is it? He says in verse 19, And his incomparably great power, here it is, for us who believe. It's attached to something And it's attached to people, and a particular people, a people who are believing. That's the objects of God's power. That's my second point. All right? So Paul is an object of this power. The Ephesian believers are objects of this power. You and I, friends, in Christ are objects, targets of this power that surpasses all other powers known to man. All right? So the question is, to be an object of this power, for this power to be attracted to you, the requirement is that you must believe. And chapter 1 has not let us escape what exactly does he mean, those who believe, right? We saw in verse 13 of chapter 1, Those who believe, here it is, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal and the promised Holy Spirit. Right. So this power uh, targets those individuals who have entrusted themselves to this truth to this gospel not just accepted it you know like oh okay i've come to know some more basic facts about god it's more than that belief is specifically entrusting oneself to the truth that is the gospel what is it christ died as god's sacrifice and we entrust ourselves to that It and it alone offers forgiveness of sins. It and it alone is sufficient and a substitute to pay the penalty God required for sinners in order to save the sinner from God's wrath. Right? So there was a dynamic, active, continual trusting in that truth, in that one, in that Christ. That one is a target for God's power. Right? And this believing... Doesn't just sit in the heart, it comes out of that person because it's reported to Paul that these believers it's not a private, mental, secluded exercise, right? That stays within one itself as a quiet belief. This believing person has had a life changing experience, and this faith is tangible, people can see it, others see that they are believing in that specific faith and are impressed so much to go and tell Paul that, look, their faithfulness in Christ Jesus is evident because they have love for all the saints. Right. So this is a very strong statement, even through chapter 1 alone. The gospel is proclaimed. Faith is united to that gospel message. And a transformation comes over the believer and makes the faith obvious to others. It's not just any kind of faith. It's faith that is uniquely found in Jesus Christ, only found in Him. And that believer is what is the object of this incomparably great power. Okay. Your faith is in this Lord Jesus Christ, in this gospel... And it's making a visible impact with others. When then we, you, are, sir, the object of God's incomparably great power. But it carries on. In His incomparably great power, for us who believe, new sentence, the power is the same as, so there's a standard. There's a standard. That's my third point. The standard of God's power. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come that's the standard of which this power operates so as whatever the scope and the magnitude of God's might that is the scope of A magnitude of God's power that is targeted to that believer. That is the power coursing toward the believer. And it's operating at that grand standard. That grand standard. Absolutely amazing. I mean, you've got to let this sink in. Just take some time to digest it. Right. Right. Did you catch the magnitude of God's power, the fullness of God's power, the certainty of God's power? It is underlined in Ephesians. Far above. Sorry, he started to um, Incomparably great power for us who believe, the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the realms, far above all rule and authority. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> that is... Is the power that is toward you my friend you my brother and sister so uh, it's hard to believe it is hard to get your mind around to be honest. I, I don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about but that is the power that has been described for us in Ephesians Thank you Ephesians now he's going to describe what this power has displayed. Hmm? All right, here we go. Verse 20 to 23. Paul, you know, let's just stop here. Maybe, maybe you're just not feeling this. You're just not feeling that powerfully powerful power today. You know, you don't know of... experience this powerfully powerful power when you're making tea, fetching kids from school, going to work, coming to church. Well, friends, that's exactly why we need to see God's power. We need to see. We've got to pray. We've got to pray that God would open the eyes of our hearts to see this power where it is operating how it is operating and exactly what is it doing we need to we need to pray that we would be lifted up out of this routine this deadness amen because God's power is real it is a super reality it is more of a reality than our own life and it has been exhibited at a few levels okay and now he he's going to highlight you know what god's power has done for some individuals and for us who believe right here he goes verse 20 he exerted so he exerted when he raised christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule authority Power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This is what God's power did. It positioned Jesus Christ so highly, so highly. He is the highest power in heaven and earth, right? The power of God towards Christ has trumped death And evil. He raised him from the dead. God's power mocked death. He he is above it. He has special honor, privilege, favor, power above all evil. All right? And he lists all things that are under his feet. All right? And the idea here is a victor's boot on the neck of the enemy. He has been lifted so high, and this is what's under his boot. All God's enemies are under his boot. The fallen angelic beings of Satan. All right? And all the rulers attached to that are under his boot. All that might, all that authority, all that dominion. It doesn't matter what kind of ruler or power is discovered now or in the next generation. All of them are under Christ. Regardless of the name or title, Christ is seated above them. There is not a power or authority in this age or the age to come where Christ will not be over it. He is above all the holy and fallen angels. He is above all the saved And the unsaved. Time and eternity above all names, levels, jurisdictions, every conceivable being reigning supremely and absolutely sovereign. That is God's power. Amen? Death and evil. They may have us pinned, and they do have us pinned. Death has us. Sin has us. We are fallen people. But... Know this, believer, God in Christ has conquered both with his power through his Son, raised him from the dead, seated him above all evil that could possibly reign, and God mocks them in his Son. Because you believe in this Christ, there is a powerfully powerful power directed to you that you no longer need to be afraid of evil Powers. Amen? Right. That's exhibition one. Exhibition two is in verse 22. And God placed all things under His feet. And let's just stop there. So this power lifted Christ up. And what did God's power push down? Well, I've just said it. He pushes all the enemies below Christ. Using God's power. Everything will be made submissive to this one. This one whom you and I have put our faith in will rule because everything will be put under his feet. To be under Christ's feet is to be an overthrown enemy. All things everywhere will fall and know his authority. Wow! 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 Now, it's sounding like this has already happened, okay? It sounds like it already has, but it hasn't yet. If you go to chapter 6, verse 12, all right? Chapter 6, verse 12 tells us, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? It's not yet. At the moment, it is still a struggle for us. Remember, we're... We're in an amnesty period. But know this, friends. Know this in your heart of hearts. The power that it takes to raise Christ Jesus from the dead. The power, that same power, will dethrone everything we struggle with and put it under Christ's feet. And this power is directed to you. You must know this. And, you know, we won't know this unless we pray, unless we ask God to help us know this. I mean, we wouldn't believe in the first place if we, don't, if we didn't have God's power. Everything is attached to God's power. But it's not done yet. There's another exhibition of this great power, right? He says, verse 22, And God placed all things under His feet. Here it is. And appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church. Here it is. Which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything, In every way. Right. Here's God's power. Alright. And this power makes a new body. This is incredible that God would make a new body. It is an amazing display of power. Do you see it? Where were you before Christ? Where were you? If you were... Being described by Ephesians chapter 1 standards, right? We would be under Christ's foot. That's what we were. That's where we were. But by the power of God, by the grace of God, we are no longer under his feet. Where are we now, believer? Where are we now? We are in a body. We are in a body. Just under the head. That's the power of God. That is the amazing display of power. And this is staggering. Everything is under his feet. He is obviously the head of all things. And then to the church has been given us. So this is what the power of God has done towards us. We were under his feet. Friends, (laughs) We were dust under his feet, eh? weren't we? We were nothing under his feet. And now, we are his fingers, his arms, his legs, his hands, his eyes, his ears, his mouth. (laughs) And the one who is head over all things, we are his body. Staggering, staggering. No, no, no. You look around the world and you see there's no evidence of this king. It's seemingly no authority, no kingship, no kingdom. We pray in your kingdom come. We don't see it. Right is anything under God's feet. But God has not chosen to display his power, you know, out there generally. But he has chosen to display his power through his body, through his body. And in his body, we see his power, we see his authority, we see his reign, we see his might, because he took people who were dust under his feet and has put them into the body. So God's authority is evident right now, no doubt. And if you can't see it, you need to pray to God that you would see this power in the church under his headship. He took enemies and now made them body parts. I mean, the fact the church would even come into existence is a massive demonstration of God's power. Everything is under the foot of Christ, but not believers by the power of God. And that is unlike any power you could imagine. Also in verse 23, we see the momentum, the direction, the destination. He says here in verse 23, Which is his body, comma, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Where is this all going? What is Jesus Christ doing right now? Well, it says there, he is filling all for himself in all ways possible. As the one who is far above all authority, dominion, and any name that can be named, and one who has all down under his feet, he is filling all things for himself in all ways. This is the language. I mean, we've heard it before in, in verse 10. Chapter 1 To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's where he's going. So he's gathering into one under the headship of Jesus Christ, regardless if it's earthly or heavenly. Right? His rule will know no end. No end. He is patiently advancing. His authority through rebel territories, and a day will come when his authority will be pushed into every square meter, everywhere, as king, in every way possible. Now, again, you, you just got to sit and figure this out. <laughs> now, the question is is it possible somewhere to get a preview? of that fullness, kingship, authority, kingdom. Is something full of him already? Well, yes. The body. The evidence right now that he is filling all things everywhere with his kingly authority is the church, the body of Christ. Because he's used his Authority, his might to lift us up under his boot and to make us coordinated members into his body. And that body knows the fullness of the kingly headship. Amen. I mean, look how he prays in chapter 3. It's beautiful. Now, knowing this, listen to chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father to the measure of all the fullness of God. So, I mean, Paul is is not assuming anything. Everything takes power. For Christ to dwell in your heart through faith, that takes power. And you need to know this power. You need to be strengthened with this power. You need a radical display of the fullness of God. You need help for this. We have no idea what kind of strength This is going to require to know this and be this. Glory in God's church? Where is the glory of God's church? We need God's power to know this. And just note this before we close. Jesus didn't say, look, I'm going to raise from the dead. Be seated at the right hand of the Father. Put all things under my feet. Now go full all things. He didn't say that. What's missing? What's missing is the church. He says, I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to seat you at the right hand. I'm going to put all things under my feet. I'm then going to make a body that knows the fullness of my headship. And now, together, we will go full all things in all possible ways. So the church, friends, we need to know this. The church is the one that runs into these territories. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the church that proclaims the gospel. All right? It's the power of God for salvation. It's the church that has literally seen enemies underfoot become bodies, arms, legs, eyes, and ears for the body of Christ. Right? We've seen that. And He's invested His glory in us. And friends, this is what we must be concerned about. Where are we going? What are we doing as a church? What is our mission? Our mission is to see the fullness of Christ. That's our mission. To make all things in the fullness of Christ. So let's close with some application then. I just want you now to to think, okay, just let this soak in. Just let this soak in. Maybe just go home and read this again. Pray over this. This is massive. Second application I would have you hold is that you let Ephesians, this passage, reset your power grid. Maybe you just can't get to grips with this power issue. You know, I just don't get this. What's the big deal? You know, life is life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Friends, we need to grasp this We need to grasp. We know the human race has fallen into a dark, powerless predicament. And only God's power is able to get us out of this mess. And God's power has gotten us out of this mess. It's taken us from the pollution of sin, the power of sin, the penalty of sin over you and in you. And that needed God's power. You, you were that bad. And God's power was necessary for your life. Your weakness is that pervasive. And God's powerfully powerful power is necessary to save you. The spiritual blessings in the heavenlies are so far out of reach that we need powerfully powerful power from God to receive them. The union of the church under the of Christ is so far beyond our reach. We need the power of God to do it. The hostile demonic powers against God's work is that formidable. We need God's great power towards us. The journey to heaven is so long and dangerous. We need God's surpassingly great power. We need to have our power grid reset by the word of God today. We need to be shaken out of our daily routines and our patterns to see the surpassingly great power of God. Without the power of God, you will never be saved. Without the power of God, you will never be made or put into the body. Without the power of the gospel, we will never advance into the enemy's territory. Without the power, you will never make it to the end. We need that exceedingly powerful power to operate to the standard of power in it. We are that depraved. And it took everything God has and is to get us here. So, friends, how strong is this body? How prevalent is the glory of God, the power of God in this body? Well, that's up to you, friends. It's not about how many people fill our chairs. It's not about how many views we get on YouTube or podcast. It's not. It's not about the money in our bank account. That is no indicator of God's power. God's glory it may share some light it may give some sort of reflection but it is not the church is only as full as the members are as full of Christ the church is only as full as the members are full of Christ and that's what matters the fullness of Christ who is over all and has all things under him and filling all things in all ways with his authority does he have you does he have you what matters is that he is seen in all his fullness in all his fullness that's what matters and that's why he comes running out of this mind shop praise God praise God and I pray that God may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation I pray That we know our part in the body of Christ, the hope of our calling, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance, of his saints. I pray that you would know this incomparably great power for us who believe. Why must we know this kind of stuff? You know why we must know this kind of stuff? Because if we don't know this kind of stuff, we are going to be an anemic, weak, sick body that achieves very little with no momentum. And Paul does not want any believer or community of believers walking around like a skeleton with no evidence of the fullness of Christ in this amnesty period. It's going to take the fullness of Christ to make any advance. Now this rebellious territory will be underfoot. And when the church appears sickly or anorexic The rebels mock us, and they mock the power of God. But if we were to feast on the knowledge of God in Christ and His fullness, if we are functioning rightly with each other, if we know this power, we are full. We are full. Amen? Let us pray. Dear God, may it be so with us. May it be so for us. Lord, we don't know how we missed this. How did we let life and how do we let our schedule, how do we let our passions, how do we let hobbies, how do we let other people eclipse this super powerfully powerful power? Lord God, remove the scales from our eyes. Let our eyes with hearts of faith again see your power. And may we be. Renewed by this knowledge today of how great and glorious is this power and what it's done for us, what it has done for us, what it is doing for us and what it is yet to do. And I pray, Lord Jesus, we would be formidable in your in your hands. Knowing your fullness, we would you be used well to make the fullness of Christ known in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our community as a church. Amen.